TikTok at its best is the dope dance videos. We all know that. But it is not all fun stuff. The platform is confronting a surge of misinformation and extremist content. So TikTok is learning from Facebook and Twitter, which have been dealing with this for a while. Here's NPR's Bobby Allen. Early on in the pandemic, a guy in Brooklyn walked by a hospital and took out his phone. He opened TikTok and started filming. It was part of a disinformation campaign to frame the coronavirus as a hoax. Not much happening. And this is a hospital that serves thousands and thousands of people here in downtown Brooklyn, New York. There is no mass chaos out here, contrary to what the mainstream media is telling you. He went by the username Say No to Socialism on TikTok. Now, of course, believing that recording the outside of a hospital proves anything at all is absurd. But the Trump-supporting conspiracy theory QAnon endorsed the idea. And on TikTok, it caught on. More people saw it. More people were going to film their hospital, which in turn was getting them video views and incentivizing more people to do it. So it was this incredible feedback loop. That's Angelo Carusone, president of the left-leaning watchdog group Media Matters, which found more than a dozen QAnon hashtags on TikTok that together garnered hundreds of millions of views. TikTok has since banned all QAnon content, but Carusone says TikTok's algorithm rewards engagement. And hoaxes? They could be really engaging. The algorithm is, is sort of like the the recommendation engines of YouTube, but on steroids. The power and reach of the app isn't lost on other fringe groups. Earlier this month, Brandon Caserta was arrested in connection with a plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Before that happened, though, he posted this TikTok, previewing his, quote, recon plan. Guess what? I'm sick of being robbed and enslaved by the state, period. I'm sick of it. And these are the guys who are actually doing it. TikTok took down Caserta's video and the earlier one of the hospital. TikTok says it will remove all accounts sharing hate and misinformation. But in reality, some extremists have learned how to outfox the app's defenses, both human and AI. The Anti-Defamation League's Dave Sifri found that white supremacists are using code language on TikTok to find new recruits. The number one for the letter I or L. And so you might see N4ZL standing for Nazi. Another common tactic among extremists on TikTok is attempting to hijack a trending topic. They might use the hashtag Black Lives Matter as a way to actually promulgate some of their hateful ideologies to people who were searching for other kinds of videos. But those who work with TikTok say it deserves credit for not repeating the mistakes of older social networks like Facebook and Twitter. TikTok has learned that a scattershot method of just taking down bad stuff as it appears doesn't work. The controls have to be proactive. Hani Farid is a UC Berkeley computer science professor who sits on a TikTok advisory panel. Ah, here's a piece of content. Ah, here's a group. Let's ban this. Let's not ban that. And there's no coherent policy And I think TikTok has the advantage of coming to this game relatively late and seeing what has not worked with the other social media companies. Unlike other social networks, Fareed says TikTok sees itself as entertainment. And that's mostly what you see on the platform. Dances, jokes, pranks, ridiculous dog videos. Hateful and violent videos are made too, though TikTok is good at catching it. Still, Fareed admits it's there if you look hard enough. And I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying, well, you know, that's the price you pay. But, you know, just playing defense is hard. And no matter how good the algorithms get, no matter how many moderators you hire, there's going to be mistakes. TikTok has twice as many U.S. users as Twitter. Those are a lot of people making a lot of videos. Mistakes are just an unavoidable result of trying to police them all. Bobby Allen, NPR News, San Francisco. (music) 
This is the Culture Commentary with Kendra Waller. Today we are talking about QAnon and a new field of science called infodemiology. So last week, Newsweek published an article called Can Science Stop QAnon? So if you've been following um, some of the presidential race stuff, there was a town hall that Trump, when Trump and Biden had their separate town halls. Um, Trump was asked that he is, did he disavow QAnon? And he first claimed he didn't know anything about it. He, uh, what's QAnon, you know, playing dumb. And then he praised their work against pedophilia and refused to say that the conspiracy theory was false. So then let's talk about where it started and what it is. So three founders have been identified. This article um, in Newsweek refers to them as nodes because it's about um, the science behind it. And so they're calling um, nodes identifiable. They're like identifiable individuals that, you know, identifiable individuals in this. And they're calling them nodes. So the first three are Tracy Diaz, Paul Ferber and Coleman Rogers. So in 2018 and then some other sources say October 2017, but they figured out how to profit from promoting posts of this mysterious person named Q. And Q claimed to have um, inside information on a mass arrest that um, Trump was like, it was blessed by Trump or the undertaking was started by Trump or, you know, he sort of was working behind the scenes sort of thing to get this mass arrest that included Hillary Clinton and others who were said to be running a pedophile ring. The three of them, the three founders, interpreted, analyzed, and amplified Q's messages of a massive satanic child sex trafficking ring. They also talked about a blood drinking cult that was run by prominent Democrats, just a bunch of crazy stories. They used YouTube, Reddit, Facebook, Instagram, 8chan and any other social media outlet you can think of to spread these theories. So over the years, the last couple years, it hadn't even been that long, but they've racked up hundreds of millions of follows, likes, and shares. All of this is done to expand their network and their reach as to how far these stories can get. So now QAnon is an actual force that can have, you know, real life disruption in America, in our um, democracy, in presidential races, it can have an actual effect. So President Trump is perhaps QAnon's most influential promoter. I mean, he is the president. And as of August, he has retweeted or mentioned 129 different Twitter accounts associated with QAnon. This was um, according to a nonprofit research group called Media Matters for America. QAnon's brand of disinformation can definitely lead to violence. So in the Pizzagate incident, which is uh, believed to be the uh, predecessor, probably gave these three people the idea to even do QAnon, um, was an incident called Pizzagate in 2016. So this is where a man um, went into Cosmic Pizza in Washington, D.C., firing an AR-15 assault rifle, and he said he was there to rescue child sex slaves. Um, But the only thing that was there was people eating pizza because it was a restaurant. 
So that conspiracy was started after the personal email account of John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, was hacked. And then WikiLeaks published the emails. And then there, there was this swell on the internet by... No one knows who really started it, but they were saying that the emails contain these coded messages that connected several high-ranking Democratic Party officials and, and U.S. restaurants into a human trafficking child sex ring. And this led this real-life man to go into a real-life restaurant and shoot a real-life rifle to rescue these children, none of which was true. So this type of stuff leads to in-person violence. So far, QAnon believers have committed at least two murders, a child kidnapping. They set one of the California wildfires. They blocked a bridge from the Hoover Dam. They occupied a cement plant in Tuscan, Arizona. They plotted to assassinate Joe Biden. One, one, as a, as you heard in the opener um, on the TikTok from NPR, sketch at the beginning of this one of the people that was involved in the kidnapping of the Michigan governor uh governor Whitmer Whitmer posted QAnon conspiracy theories on on his Facebook page so what is being done well what's being done so far hasn't actually been that successful and some of it has come too late the social media platforms have been a little um slow to take action so the FBI declared QAnon a terrorist organization in May 2019. Yet Facebook continued to be one of the network's principal enablers. Facebook did its own internal investigation before that time or around that time. And what they found was more than 3 million members and followers on its platforms were engaging in this in QAnon related posts or tweets or involved on pages. But not until October 6th did Facebook ban all QAnon groups and pages as well as QAnon associated accounts on Instagram. But even with this, the ban doesn't affect any of the individual Facebook profiles that traffic in QAnon related posts. So that's like a huge loophole. So, yeah, if I don't create an entire QAnon page, if I create an entire QAnon page, that would get banned. But me, an individual, can post QAnon theories and misinformation and it won't be flagged. So Twitter claims to have suspended 7,000 QAnon-associated accounts by invoking violations of its standard rules, such as distributing spam um, and things like that. But these measures... Um, one of the spokespersons said have reduced impressions on QAnon related tweets by more than 50%. So just last week, as you heard in the beginning intro of the podcast, TikTok has expanded its ban to all contents or accounts that promote QAnon ideas and videos. Neil Johnson, who is a physicist at George Washington University, says that this is a problem that's bigger than the individuals in the community and bigger than any effort of a platform to control it. It's a huge challenge and it's absolute, it absolutely requires new science to deal with it. 
thus leading to the new branch of science they're calling infodemiology. It's inspired by epidemiology, which of course is the study of how disease spreads through a population. So infodemiology will seek to understand how misinformation and conspiracy theories spread like a disease through our democracy in America and its ultimate goal will be understanding how to stem its spread. So how big is the problem? Nobody really actually knows how big it is. So no one knows how many nodes, how many edges, if you will, how many connections there are between the people in the network. Um, One of the founders, Diaz, has 353,000 followers and subscribers on Instagram and YouTube. That generates tens of millions of impressions a month throughout all of the social media platform that QAnon uses. So it's kind of hard to keep track. How big is the problem? That's from one person. You get million, tens of millions of impressions throughout the internet. David Hayes, who's a former paramedic and now just a full-time QAnon promoter, like that's what he does for a living is promote QAnon stuff. He has a combined 800,000 followers and subscribers. This is not even one of the founders. He has more followers than one of the founders. It's crazy. There's also been 70 candidates for Congress that have been identified as QAnon nodes and more than 93,000 Twitter users mention QAnon in their profiles. And many times that number will spread messages throughout the platform. So, And as I mentioned before, the most influential node is, of course, President Trump. As a starting point, scientists like Erin Gallagher, she's an independent social media expert, are using several software tools that identify and track member activity on Facebook and Twitter. And they're just trying to help you know, show the anatomy of the group and show how the information is spreading um, and try to gain some insight of that that can be used to sort of, you know, stop this or slow it down. She says that it's hard to fight a battle if you can't look at a map of the battlefield. So that's what they're doing. They're literally trying to produce networking maps of how this information starts and spreads. Um, As a result of her efforts, Gallagher has uncovered a number of characteristics of QAnon. One of them is that it's unusually decentralized. So this means that new ideas and conversations are constantly springing up throughout the membership um, without bots. So it's not a computer or um, a software like So a bot is um, a software that masquerades as a real person and has a social media account. And all it does is spew out information all day. But what they found is that this that's not actually the case with QAnon. It's started by real people sitting down, spouting crazy theories. Um, And then they take off and they spread and they get big and they, you know, go throughout the network. Another thing they found is that while pedophilia and human trafficking um, remain the heart of the QAnon, like, you know, craziness, the movement is drawing a lot of members from the anti-vaxxer community and also a bunch of people from the pandemic. The pandemic is the people who believe that um, elitists somewhere plotted to cause the current pandemic. 
And so a big thing, a thing among people who believe in this kind of stuff is that they go down these rabbit holes because they're more inclined to mistrust authorities. And so they're looking for this information that's like, you know, I knew you were lying to me all along. Here's what's really going on. And, you know, secret cabals everywhere. But so because of this, the science has been using plenty of tools to try to help gather this information. One of them is a search engine. It's kind of a It's not really a search engine, but sort of. It's called Hoaxy. And it spots new assertions from low credibility sources that seem to be catching on. Um, and it tracks how they're spreading. So it allows anyone to root out claims in their own Twitter feed. Or you can just look at uh, other articles. Hoaxy was created at Indiana University, uh, Bloomington. So I went on the site today and I looked at it. And I didn't look at my Twitter feed. I just looked at what some of the trending things were. And one of them was the Hunter Biden um, story that he's helped, that he was trying to help um, some Chinese um, officials get these secret White House meetings. So what Hoaxy shows is a map of every tweet and retweet and how it was spread. It also gauges the likelihood that an individual tweet or or retweet came from a bot. Um, the ones I clicked on had a low probability of being a bot, so they were likely people um, that were spreading this around. So of note, the Hunter Biden story started around October 15th, and by October 16th, it had been, there were over 55,000 cumulative tweets of this one article about it or this one proposed article about it. There were other articles that I didn't look at. So you can look at the individual one. And I was like, that's crazy. So in a day, um, it has spread being retweeted like 55,000 times. Um, but there, like I said, there were other articles. Um, and I've seen the story covered on Fox News, CNN. People have talked about it. Some have called it a hoax. Some said we need to look into this further. It's just, it came from a person or two people and it has spread and it's making national news and causing doubts in this in an actual presidential race. And someone literally made it up. It's crazy. So... Uh, Filippo Mesner, who is a computer science professor at Indiana University, and he was one of the people, him and his his team or department have, uh, they created Hoaxy. So he said that we can look at the trend trending of new narratives in real time. Him and his colleagues and other, um, they look at conspiracy and misinformation oriented communities. And they're, they're also working on new software tools and apps to be available to help anybody gather this type of information. He said that they've used the data from these tools to put together an anatomy of a typical um, QAnon poster treat, tweet. <laughs> what they found was that it's usually tied to a current controversial news topic such as protester violence or mask wearing. So it uses an element of truth and then frame some crazy um, frame or, you know, some stuff theory around it that'll make people mad or upset. And then it also will fit into that community's existing beliefs and delusions. So if you already think that Biden and Hunter Biden can be trusted, 
and you hear, oh, well, they were trying to get meetings with um, Chinese officials trying to sneak them into secret meetings at the White House. You're more likely to believe that because you already um, distrust them initially. So QAnon's network maps. So here's an example of what they sort of found this tool can help them find. So the QAnon network maps that they've created lit up in August when the word when word that 39 missing children have been found in a Georgia trailer and their kidnappers have been arrested. So then the questions of was this a real life pizza gate? What was the start? Was this the start of the storm, which is this long anticipated QAnon thing that they say is going to happen? Um, hundreds of thousands of posts and tweets made the claim that this was the start of the storm. Um, and Trump and his loyalists were, um, I don't know, uh, going after the sex trafficking ring. And this was like the first step of it and look, it's working kind of thing. And so if you are apt to believe that, then that story sounds like it's true and that it fits in with, oh, look, QAnon, Trump, his people, they're actually going after and finding these things. But the truth of that story was that it was an effort of a statewide Georgia law enforcement effort that was like two weeks long and they recovered all 39 of these missing children, but the cases were mostly unrelated to one another. It wasn't some, you know, democratic led child sex trafficking ring. Craziness. But, um, so what's the solution? I mean, the most obvious one would be to take down the accounts that spread this nonsense. But of course, that is easier said than done. Part of the reason is Facebook and some of the other social media groups slow to act or unwillingness to remove QAnon related profiles in addition to their bans on the groups and pages. And so this is just, you know, exacerbating the problem. Um, They still remain slow to remove things. The Facebook ban on groups and pages takes it a step in the right direction. But like I said earlier, there's that huge loophole of individuals being able to do that. And they'll find other ways around an actual Facebook QAnon page, of course. But nobody actually knows or has this, you know, solution yet. Um... Nobody has a real solution to the problem yet. Not science, not social media. Um, And part of that problem is that things change so fast on the internet compared to how science is is investigating or is, is slow by comparison to how fast things. The internet is super fast. It can change tomorrow, tonight. Now, as I'm speaking, the entire thing could change. And so it's like science, which is relatively speaking slow is trying to track this moving target. So one of the scientists suggests that they should do what epidemiologists do, which is slow and contain the spread of something, not eliminate it. And that they should focus their efforts on ways to manage and minimize the disinformation because elimination in all likelihood is it's not going to happen. Like you're not going to get rid of people on the internet saying crazy things, but perhaps if we focus on stopping or slowing down the spread of this 
and knocking out the big players. And if somebody could, you know, shut Trump up, that'd be great to stop the spread of this information and stop giving credibility to it. Because when politicians or famous people, when people um, retweet it, it gives it this, you know, air of believability or credibility that it shouldn't have because it's made up by some crazy person who's either trying to make money or just is a conspiracy theorist by nature. Um, And then it has these real world consequences. So it is ongoing. QAnon is a, it's it's just a crazy concept Um, that of course, without the internet wouldn't be nearly as big because we wouldn't hear about it. But because of the invention of technology and the internet, it's just so easy to put a thought or an idea out in the world and then it spreads so fast. But thank you all for listening. Um, That was the culture commentary for today. Um, A quick thing, um, I've expanded the culture commentary, I'm excited to say, to a bi-weekly newsletter blog post situation. So, um... (laughs) The type, so if you go to theculturecommentary.com, don't forget the the, but theculturecommentary.com, you'll find um, my webpage and I post twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays and it's just more news type opinions, but they're much shorter. So it's little, you know, paragraph or two on news stories that I found interesting in the last uh, couple days. Um, it includes my opinions on some stuff too. So it's not, you know thing reporting it's just you know talking about some of the news things some of them will be the big headlines but I try to find other information that may have been missed um outside of the big you know soup whatever the big trending topic is um if you put your email address um in the website it will go it'll alert you on your email that a new post has been posted Um, And there's also, I've been posting for, I don't know, maybe two weeks now. So there's some back posts you can see now. So that's theculturecommentary.com. So I hope you check that out. I hope you like it. And thanks for listening to the podcast. See you next week.